This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. Today on the show, we are talking to filmmaker, mechanical engineer, and regenerative farm proponent, Brian Sanders, who, in his upcoming film, Food Lies, discusses how over the last 60 years, we have all been subject to lies, confounded studies, and manipulated ideals around nutrition and health as a whole. It's a mouthful, so let's get into today's show. All right. We got Brian Sanders today on Decentralized Radio. How's it going, Brian? I'm good. How are you doing, guys? Fantastic. And we got our co-host, uh, Ryan Brown here as well. How's Living it going, Ryan? Every day, every day is a blessing. Awesome. Yeah. But yeah, we're really excited to get this going. It's well, you know, one of our first episodes. And yeah, thanks for joining, Brian. I know, I think both of us has, have spoken to you before, but we're excited to dive into kind of the latest. I know you got a lot of stuff going on, which is exciting. So I'll have to dive into this a little bit. But also kind of, you know, tap into what really, you know, what you think about decentralization terms of the health side of things where your expertise is and then maybe everyday living also but yeah why don't we start you know you're, you're working on a ton of stuff got you know peak human podcast which is a fantastic source of information you're running nose to tail a direct to consumer you know regenerative meat business and uh working on a really cool documentary food lies which uh the intro teasers have been really getting me fired up recently so yeah, why don't you give us like a, a little spiel on, on kind of each segment of, of what you're working on and what are the updates and uh, yeah, what are the latest? Absolutely, yeah. I started this six years ago just trying to make this film and it turned into everything else. I also have a whole in-person thing, Sapien Center, which you came to and we had an event and that was awesome. Uh, you know, social club for people who want to live an ancestral life yeah, all the decentralization things. A lot of people there are into Bitcoin and regenerative ag and homeschooling and anything that's outside the system. So this all started six years ago. Well, it started nine years ago when I lost both my parents. So tell the bit of the story in the intro. I think what's best is if people just pause right now and go to YouTube and watch the intro to Food Lies. Just search for Food Lies on YouTube and it's a featured video. It's three and a half minutes and it tells this story. It tells a story of, you know, kind of losing both my parents. Well, it doesn't really tell much of that story, but it it's uh, it's like a really well done piece, if I may say so myself, uh, kicking off the film and kind of just letting people know what we're doing. And my personal story is that I woke up to health around nine years ago, started changing my diet and then went full time six years ago and started doing this and then that turned into peak human and nose to tail and the sapien center and all kinds of stuff but it's all kind of based around this idea of taking health into your own hands going outside the system buying locally just going against sick care going against most of the just big government big organization powers that be you know, usually what's good for them is bad for you, right? People have to remember that. It's like, you got to think these are just opposing viewpoints here. This is a completely opposite, right? It's 180 degrees. If they want you to do something, it's usually because it's 
easier for them to just control the masses or keep them in line or whatever it is. And doing the opposite is usually better for the individual, right? Individual. If you're thinking about individual health, if you're thinking about yourself, which should be number one goal, even to help your family, you need to be healthy. You need to make money. You need to do everything yourself so that you can help other people. And usually that's the opposite of what the big forces are trying to do. So I kind of skipped ahead to the end, <laughs> to the end, but I realized that that's all the things I've been doing. I didn't really understand, you know, my journey. It's not like I had this mission to to decentralize my life and have, you know, this personal freedom and this and that. It's just, I was like, oh, well, health is backwards. And then I was like, oh, well, this is backwards. This system's backwards. Then I realized everything's backwards. And I just kept building different things along the way and trying to get people around me on this mission, like you guys or the people I interview or any, you know, anyone else. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. A really good point. And it's something that I think everybody that has found your, the things you put out and your, the information you do, your film or worked with you at the Sapien Center and stuff like that, all these people have found similar things that you have found within the medical system, the food system, all these systems that currently run our lives. And I don't think we realize run our lives. And it's, it's almost unfortunate because I feel like the most difficult part of this journey, as we'll talk about later, is that seemingly to find what's wrong in society or what's wrong with the medical system and all these things and to set these rights, you have to have some sort of dramatic something happen to you, whether you're losing your parents, like you mentioned that happened to you, or uh, me or Tristan having some sort of extreme health event that causes you to realize how broken everything is. Um, and that's the unfortunate part. And you have so many projects going on. Like you mentioned, just a few of them at the beginning, but you also have Think House for Kids. Um, that's another really cool thing that we can maybe talk about a little bit later. But what do you think right now is the most important thing that you're working on currently? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I really think it's the information side. It's the film. It's it's a six-part series. It's getting this to the masses. It's what is going to move the needle the most. I interviewed a couple hundred people over the years about this stuff. And everyone has their own ideas and solutions. And some people like Nina Teicholz is so amazing, wrote the book, Big Fat Surprise. She's a legend. And she's going straight to the top. And she has a nutrition coalition. And she's trying to change policy in Washington, D.C., and do all that stuff. And it's amazing. And so many people are doing it from each angle, whether it be a doctor or, you know, building platforms for people to get healthy. But I think the information is where it starts and going to the masses is where it starts and going and you have to play the game a bit. I mean, we're going to Netflix. We're going to the biggest place we can. And, you know, I don't think they have great content. Usually their content's more woke. You know, they have all this like plant-based stuff. They have the game changers. They have all this stuff that I don't agree with, but there are they are where the people are. We have to play the game a bit too with celebrities where I'm looking for an A-list celebrity to back this film, be executive producer, narrate it, stuff like that, because we know that that's what works. That's how people, you know, that's how it goes mainstream. That's why game changers work. It's so bogus. They get Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's not plant-based, who eats his favorite food is steak. He, you know, like during the game changers, there's videos of him saying his favorite food is steak. He's eating all these eggs every day. You know, it's, it's just hilarious when they try to position him as some plant-based guy. 
and he built his entire physique on meat. And then, you know, very recently is like, oh, I'm cutting down my meat because James Cameron told me to because James, you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. So, but no, we're getting good people. Like we are talking to a good celebrity who's into regenerative ag, you know, and happens to be here in Austin and is about it. You know, he's like, he's, he's down for the cause. So we are using those tactics. But so the number one thing is to go to the masses, make a really simple, entertaining film that doesn't get into the weeds, doesn't get into any dietary camps, doesn't, you know, get into dogmatic points of view and just tells people, what the hell do you eat? Like, what's up? What's up with nutrition? Why are we so fat and sick? No one wants to be fat and sick. But we've ended up here. I, I always say that it's like, you got to get to the why you can't tell people to eat less, move more, you can't, nothing works. You can't, you know, just tell people to, to eat less fat. And then just expect them to lose fat. It's just it's just hilarious. These ideas that we've had from on high, you know, over the last few decades. And so we need to get that correct info. We get that correct info. People change. Not only like you, you'd be surprised over the years. I'm always talking about this film, right? I'm always just talking to people about food, this, that. You'd be surprised how many people they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I went vegan because I saw the game changers. That was great. Or, you know, like, oh, I saw What the Health. And yeah, yeah, I went vegan. This, And I saw Cowspiracy and I, I cut out meat. It's amazing what people will do when they watch a piece of propaganda. And I guess we're trying to make the best kind of propaganda, which is true, <laughs> true propaganda about ancestral health. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. Uh, so I, I've kind of a few comments, questions there, because, you know, I think you almost have to yeah play into the game. I like how you say that, because it's, it's definitely a fact. You have to be a little cringy virally sometimes on social media. And I mean, memes are great. I, I love you post some excellent, excellent memes, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> I, I love your stuff. And yeah, I think it's important because especially people have like just a way of consuming information. So what's really great about what you're working on is you're kind of attacking from all fronts, but the movie is, is so powerful because it's, I feel like the barrier to entry is really high. And I want to hear more about how challenging it has been to bring this actually to the public. Cause you're saying, you know, six years and, you know, a lot of these game changers and other documentaries, you know, they have huge budgets. They have, you know, already millionaires, billionaire directors, um, compared to yourself, who is just, you know, trying to do this for the good of society. And obviously, you don't have the the resources that some of these Hollywood people already have. So I want to hear maybe more about that. But at the same time, um, yeah, it's I, also like, what was the perception you're, you're talking about, you know, getting this, you know, more notoriety from celebrities, um, Netflix, like, have these conversations been going well? Uh, is the attitude of some celebrities and, and people at these corporations like positive around this mm. subject or is there some dog dogma attached? So, yeah, I guess uh, what are your thoughts uh, are on yeah. those topics? So we haven't talked to like the big guns yet. There was South by Southwest here in Austin and I talked to some people with Amazon Prime. You know, People were collect connecting me with the Netflix people. You know, so I'm just there. Don't know yet. I know that those people were super fired up and they were really eager to share it. And they said, yes, th this is awesome. Uh, I have two distribution companies interested in representing me. So they're all about it. They sought me out. So they're the ones I you have to really go through. So so that's great. I just don't know uh, what Netflix is going to say because 
you know, people know about Sacred Cow, Dinah Rogers, and Rob Wolf. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that so, was my data. Point. Well, I need to talk to Rob personally, but because I don't know the story, but I know that they were on Rogan about a year ago and they said they couldn't make a deal. All they said was we couldn't make a deal with Netflix. So either they didn't want it or I think they lowballed them. Sometimes uh, I know Netflix does that. It's just first time filmmakers and they'll do it to me, I'm sure is say, hey, you spent six years and all your time and every, you know, all the crowdfunding money and all your own donated free time. Here's like 50 grand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just give some like ridiculously low amount of money and expect you to just take it because they're Netflix. And well, luckily I, I'm going to have more leverage than that. So, but I, at some point I am just going to take something, right? I know I'm going to have uh, some good representation and, and not have to just settle for a low number, but I would I'm not in it for the money, so I I will just do what I can to make it get on Netflix and hopefully not get too screwed. But I I, I also heard that Netflix has some new leadership, little, some leadership changes going on. I think the woke thing didn't work for them, and they found that out the hard way. And now, from what I heard, they're getting new leadership that isn't about that stuff. So also, it's not uh, we're not going over the line we're not saying carnivore we're not saying anything crazy we're just saying hey humans need meat needs animal foods the processed foods are the problem that's about it and it's just a six-part series telling people that in a hundred different ways and it's just by the end of it it's ironclad it's hitting all the angles it's evolutionary it's science it's new biology it's new studies it's everything that it just aligns it's so obvious so we're not saying anything that's out there everything is proven and backed with studies uh, so along the way well yeah you talked about barrier to entry y yeah the, i i'm understanding why there's no film out there yet <laughs> that is about this the the only films out there are vegan right there's there's just vegan and it makes sense because well james cameron famously has 140 million dollars invested in this pea protein company be right before he released the game changers. There's always stuff like that. There's always the money in the processed foods. There's always an angle with these processed food companies, anti-meat company, all that stuff has a, has a big profit margin, has a big, they thought it was going to be a huge boon, right? They thought it was going to be this big market and everyone's going to make billions. And it's so funny that they're failing now. You know, you see it every month in the news, beyond meat, failing, you know, this company's going out of business, all this stuff. So that's at least a little bit uh, well, I don't know. It's it's deserving. It's it's deserving because it's not true. It's just a way to make money. But so I, I've I've watched a lot of the other films out there over the years that are on our side, and they haven't had a budget. They haven't had people that are have been willing to spend six years of their life for no money. So they are good. I think there's a lot of good films out there. They just aren't very high quality. There's, there was no budget behind them. There was no, they weren't on any big platforms that they, they were also just sort of in this one little camp, you know, it's like, this is the keto film and this is the like low carb film. And we're not doing that, right? It, it, we, we're not going to get stuck in this one way of doing things. Uh, the thing we're, we're behind is ancestral, you know, ancestral health, which is just unshakable. You know, this is just the reality of humans. So, uh, I think everything makes sense, right? That there is no film out there yet. There's no one, there's no money to be made off of this film. Hopefully it will. That's why I started other things along the way, like nose to tail or 
Sapien Center. Not that I make any money off those. They're all just breaking even. You know, I'm just trying to get by on those. But my idea is eventually, hopefully, you know, it'll all be worth it <laughs> to do all this and spend all this time. And I'm up to 11 p.m. every night. I was I cut myself off at 11. I was up till 11 last night. I was like, all right, it hit 11. Got to stop. But I was working on this transcripts because we just did 10 interviews in 10 days for the film to finish off our interviews. Uh, that was two weeks ago we finished and I'm still going through these transcripts and it's just so much work, so hard to do. It, it, it makes sense. That's what I'm saying, right? It, it makes sense why there's nothing out there yet. And I don't think anyone else is going to do it. And even if someone does try to get a big budget and try to do it, I mean, who would that be? I, I don't know. It's like, I feel like that's my main role in this whole world is doing this. This is like, I've been on this journey for six years, connecting with every other influencer and doctor and paleoanthropologist. And that's all I've been doing for six years. And I don't know who else would do that or is going to do that. And if they did have some big budget, then it's just going to be some corporate, you know, big budget thing. They're, they're going to have say on what needs to be said. We have none of that. It's all private individuals who have put in money and, this is going to be the best thing ever made. Yeah. And I think like, like you mentioned, like part of the barrier to entry is the fact that everything that has been put out there about nutrition or has been made into a film already has been the complete opposite of the message that you've, you've, you've come to build in your film. And so when you're looking for quote funding or distribution and all these things, everyone in industry, because of the way the food systems like built up and, now we have like the Beyond Meat stuff and all this stuff, the way it's been built the last 10, 20, 30 years, it's all built to go the opposite direction of the message you want to portray. So it's it's already built against you in a sense. And so that's like a huge barrier as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really interesting, uh, the psychology of of people and the, the message that you are trying. And if you've noticed too, it's like the message with all these other films has been a very myopic one point of view way of looking at health. It's like straight up veganism, for example. Um, and what you're trying to do isn't necessarily say go keto, go carnivore, do any of these labeling sort of mm-hmm. uh, identities that people find within nutrition or religion, all these various things. That's also part of the problem with a barrier of entry because that's what people even subconsciously are attracted to. And that's what I've noticed about myself through my healing journey the last four years is that I would constantly bounce between these labels and attach myself to that community. And it's found within every community. And so even with the good parts of each of those places, the keto community, the carnivore community, animal-based community, all that stuff, there's still that dogma of labeling that I think holds back the bigger message and keeps that barrier up. Um, for people. And I think that's like, that's just something that hopefully your film can sort of break through a little bit because it's a, uh, it's a big task. It is. Well, we have this message. Your diet doesn't need a name. We actually got Lane Norton in it. If people knew who that is, he's kind oh, yeah. of against, he's kind of against our stuff, but now I realize he's actually for a lot of it. I don't know if he's changed over the years. Cause I've been talking to him here and there over the years and hopefully I've influenced him in a, in a small way to, to come to more of a, yeah, just something that's, I think, better for the public and a more solid understanding of food and not just thinking about calories, right? So I actually was just highlighting his transcript yesterday, and and it, he does have some of these messages, like your diet doesn't need a name. 
like we, we were kind of, you know, leading him down this direction, but we're like, Hey, your body needs nutrients. It needs proteins and vitamins and minerals and essential fats. And it needs the right amount of energy, right? From fat or carbs. And most people are doing exact opposite. They're getting way, far too few protein nutrients and they're getting far too much energy from either fat or carbs. And these are mostly the refined fats and refined carbs. And that's what your body needs. Your body is not into like the religious zealotry of, you know, different diet names. It just wants those foods. So it's like, okay, well, why is keto or carnivore or paleo or whole 30 good? Like, why are these good? And then why can other diets be good or bad? You know, and it's like, well, it's just about those nutrients and the energy, right? And it's like, you want complete bioavailable nutrition from animal foods where you get your protein and your vitamins and minerals, and you want good whole food energy sources like real fats from animals or maybe coconut oil or something or real carbs from sweet potatoes or fruit or honey, you know, just it is it's just about real food. And it's like this equation is pretty simple. And if you eat these real foods, then you'll be naturally full, you'll naturally not overeat. And it was great that actually Lane Norton was like really getting this message. Finally, I, I really hope that I, I gone through to him because I've talked to him over the years. I'm like, Dude, it's not just about calories. People aren't just like sitting there like thinking about calories. Your body doesn't just think about calories. Your body, your body has no calorie sensing mechanism. It has a satiety sensing mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. That means how full you are. Being Losing fat, not just losing weight. That's a whole other thing. You don't want to lose muscle. You want to lose fat, which is a whole other problem with calorie counting. You could just be eating less protein, less nutrients, and be losing muscle and not knowing it. And we do go into that in the film, and that's a huge issue and it needs to be said and but he now i don't know if he's just talking to me about it on the film because he knew what we wanted to get from this interview but he was talking about satiety and about protein and nutrients and less energy and that it doesn't matter that much if that energy is from fats or carbs that's why we're not like this keto film we're not this low carb mm -hmm. film it's like man you don't need to worry about these things you need to be worried about avoiding all the refined versions of fat or carbs you need to be worried about the seed oils and the added sugar refined grains like all these highly processed ingredients that are stuffed into everything and so it sounded like he he was kind of echoing that message of to to really win this battle it's a it is a battle of hunger right your body needs protein and nutrients and it needs some energy and if you eat correctly you will win that battle of hunger you'll win that battle of protein and nutrients and bodybuilding foods and you can lose the fat by eating correctly so i i hope that makes sense to people it's, it's like kind of gets into the weeds but it it kind of is this thing you're talking about of like getting away from any camp yeah, I mean, I think the diet wars really just need to end. I mean, obviously, yeah, we can talk about like the importance of like animal foods being at the center of your diet. But yeah, I, I talk about that a lot. I know we've talked about that, Brian. And the reason why I think is just because it's simple, right? It's like, I can just do this. There's a guideline. Mm -hmm. Same with counting calories, right? It's like, oh, if I just track this, then I can lose weight. It's like a simple prescription. And I feel like that's what the mass society always needs. They need guidance, but it needs to be simple. It needs to be digestible. And for the longest time, because of all these diets, it just muddied the waters of like, what really should you be doing? And 
like what you're saying is actually, if you just eat real food, it's quite simple. But then, you know, some people they you know, they struggle with, they don't know how to cook, or they just don't have access. And we get into this. So then we get to a whole other slew of issues. But I, I really think, yeah, the, the film and, and all this content hopefully moves the needle to the message that it actually is really simple. Like if your food doesn't have ingredient labels and it's just real food, you know, you're going to be in a good spot because it's going to be hard to overeat those types of foods anyway. And prioritizing animal foods at the center of your diet will increase the amount of you know satiety you have after your meal so you won't overeat. But kind of what I'm curious to hear your thoughts on is like, we're, we're talking consumer facing content. How does that compare? And do you think, you know, obviously you're running nose to tail. So you're on both sides of the spectrum. You're on the, the food producer side, and then you're on the educating the food consumer side of things. You know, where do you, where do you think the biggest leaps and bounds are to be made? And are you seeing more people from the food producer side of things also opening their mind to, you know, regenerative agriculture methods, um, you know, using less pesticides, herbicides, things like that. Um, how do you tie the two together? And do you think we're making headways on, on mm. both, both fronts? Yeah, that's a tough one. I will say for, for the last statement, yeah, it's super easy to tell someone just to go carnivore. Like that's like, I think that's why it works. It's like, people don't know what yep. I do. They're like, I don't know what sapien is or i don't even call i try not to call it a diet right but yeah yeah i think they get confused and that's why like sean baker and anthony shafi like they, they're like you know what we're not even going to talk about grain fed grass fed we're just going to be like just if you replace your processed foods with meat you will be healthier yeah. which is true it's true but that's not but, the yeah. end that's not the end of the story and but it, it's really funny though i talk to my director editor guy all the time and he's just like yeah, it's just so simple. If we could just say go carnivore or just like keto is that all you got to do is keto. And it's like, no, uh, but people don't know what <laughs> maybe by the end of the film, right? That's why it takes the whole film. But uh, so yeah, for the producer side and all that, I, I don't know. I, I think there's just way too much money in on the other side of things. People who have all of their processed products, they have way bigger budget and way and so to create content, to do marketing, to buy ads, to do everything, they're always going to win. Yeah, I don't even have enough money to make an ad. Like I, I don't do ads for nose to tail. I have like made my first little ad. I had my sister put skin cream all over her face. It was my beef tallow body care. And I made a little joke and I spent like $80 like total. <laughs> That's the only ad I've ever done in like five years. And so these other people, they're spending trillions especially the pharmaceuticals. That's a whole nother thing. I love those montages of the like Anderson Cooper, Cooper brought to you by Pfizer. You know, it's NBC news brought to you by Pfizer, brought to you by Pfizer. It's insane. It's insane. And then all the other food companies own everything. Everything for uh, 60 years has been owned by food companies. And so I don't know who's going to make it through that mess that, that there's a few people spreading the good information. There's, I love that there's more uh, direct consumer brands that are like farmers, ranchers that are just actually figuring it out and be like, oh, we just need to do it ourselves. Like there's just some small time people that have been figuring it out. Like there's like Joel Salatin. I mean, he's the biggest example that's kind of made into the mainstream, but you can buy his meat or Will Harris, right? With like, you can go, you can order 
white oak online, right? And and that's what I'm trying to do. I just have to speak for my ranchers. You know, I put my ranchers on a podcast, but you can get like you can go on the my YouTube and find it's just like, hey, it's Jessica and Austin. These are the people you get your beef from. Those are the only two people that raise our beef. And so people need to do more of that. And they're doing it in a small way here in Austin. You know, there's people come to the farmer's market each weekend and tell their story and people buy their eggs from them and they get to know them. But but these people aren't content creators. There was this lady that raised pigs and she raised these pasture raised pigs and made her own food. Like she didn't want to use any of the corn, wheat, and soy, this mass produced stuff. She wanted this certain thing and she had to buy her own grain mill or whatever it was and, you know, grind up her own feed. And she, I went to her farm. She was, didn't know anything about business, didn't know anything about social media. All she knew about was raising hogs. And she was, I think she went out of business. Like she just had to stop doing it because it doesn't work. So I think the future of this movement is going to have to be connecting those dots that you were talking about is the food producers with the consumers. And it's super hard to do. There's no money in it. The only companies that are doing it have a super high profit margin on a pretty kind of processed product, uh, not to throw shade at my good friends at Heart and Soil because they're great. But it's, you know, it's Paul Saldino. It's, it's my other friends. Like a lot of my friends here in Austin work at Heart and Soil. They're great. But I mean, yeah, they have a high profit margin. <laughs> thing that makes a ton of money and then they have the budget to create really nice videos and do a lot of Instagram and do all this type of stuff. So it's hard. It's just, it's just the money. The money rules the world. Yeah. So just, just to finish this point. So basically what you're saying is you think it's more, it'll be more effective to educate the consumers and drive consumer change than at the food producer level. And is, is you think that's well, yeah. fair to I don't say think it's ever well it's never going to happen on in the masses right and mm -hmm. then on the, and the producers i mean the food producers i don't know they're not the content producers i actually haven't thought about this a lot but you know and that and i'm like okay i don't know the solution so maybe there's got to be a whole new group of guys like you or there's like the meat mafia guys you know they're here in Austin. i, mm -hmm. I don't know that they're gonna have to just go out and do the education for people yeah. And I think I think that's fair. I think it's a fair assessment. I think there's a lot of momentum going on with the connecting of, uh, you know, producers to consumers, like you're saying. But I, I think it's totally true. And that's what I always say is, you know, the consumer purchasing dollar purchasing power is the most actually the most powerful thing you have as a citizen of the United States and where you can actually drive change because people always want to be, you know, more decentralized in nature. They don't want to support these large corporations, even the super woke people, you know, they're like anti Amazon, all this stuff. But it's like, what are you going to do in your day to day to really make a difference? Um, you really can't buy a car from like a small company, wow. you can't buy a phone from a small company, you can't even buy consumer products, which you probably don't even need from a small company. But what do you buy the most frequently and you need every single day? It's mm. food. And if you convince consumers, which is what you're doing a fantastic job of producing educational content for, that they can actually make a difference for their health and the community, then that's really powerful. And then that dictates what the producers should be doing. And, and I think we're seeing that. But, but I agree. I think there's more to be gained from educating consumers because they're the ones that really dictate change um, in the market. I love that. I'm going to have to steal some of that. 
where you, yeah, I never really thought about like uh, out of if you look at someone's budget, it's almost like I could do a meme with a pie chart of like where your budget can go. And yeah, yeah, the, all the the rent. It's not like you can pay rent to someone else. It's just like it is what it is. All mm -hmm. these things, but then the food is the last thing that you have control over. And then I mean, that's could be like 20, 30% of someone's budget for the month, or it should be. I love those comparisons back in the day where we used to spend like way more of our monthly income on food. I'm and sure. now it's like eight percent or something, you know, it's going down way low. And most of that's just to like restaurants and stuff, you know. So yeah, you should be spending a lot of your budget on food. That's what we've always done, and that's when we were healthy. Yeah. I mean, if you look at my budget and I was actually looking at mine the other day, cause I was trying to, uh, working out a new budget to cut costs and some things that I don't need to spend money on. And the, one of the biggest things I spend money on every, every month is food because I, I go and buy like boatloads of, of like beef or like I buy half a cow or something like that. I just ordered a freezer chest to get half a cow in there and all these things. Like most of my budget actually goes to food. And I was telling my girlfriend this the other day, I was like, if there's one thing I'm okay spending money on it's quality food because at the end of the day like this is what's going to bring me or break me down so it's i think it's something that people should think about and, it, and to me it makes total sense that the consumer drives a lot of this type of change that's why there's so much effort in converting or controlling the consumer from the opposite side per se because that's where the control is is if you have them in line, not to make it all like doomsday like, but if you have them doing what you want them to do, then you control the system, which is what has happened. And we basically have to, the goal of this podcast is to educate people to really think for themselves and to really figure this stuff out for themselves. Because even within these communities, which I think are great, and I think they're great first steps, whether carnivore, keto, whatever, um, it's still people still fall into the trap of they think they're thinking for themselves, but they're really still asking to be told what to do. And that's not what I want people to take away from this podcast with you is I don't want people to come away from this and be like, Oh, I got to do what Brian does every single day, blah, blah, blah. I want them to take bits and pieces of all this stuff and apply that to their life so that they can, you know, decentralize it in the way that fits them. And so like a question that I would have for you kind of building on all this stuff is sort of what advice would you give to folks? who are trying to leap from their like their career, like you were an engineer or are an engineer, I should say, and, and have like completely gone into this health space. That's a big, like, that's a scary thing to do to like go from this like set of income to jump into this thing. What, what advice would you give to people that are trying to, mm. to get into that? Cause I think that's also a barrier too, is I think there's a lot of people out there like me and Tristan that want to do these things, but then we're like, oh man, how do we do it? And then transition into it and be successful. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, there's two sides. So one side is transitioning into just eating this way. And, and I think that's a long process, too. I didn't do it overnight. And back to like the money I spend, I am happy to spend $8 on my eggs. I am not like, oh, man, these eggs went up a dollar. I don't know. I'm like, I am very joyous when I give my $8 for my eggs. But everything else, I'll be, I'll, I'll be you know, being thrifty, I'll be, be like, wait, 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 why are we paying this much? Or I'm going to go across here and get something else. But when, when it comes, you know, because it, I, I, yeah, I'm good with my money. But when it comes to my food, I am, I, it's a whole different feeling. It's like, please take my money. You are doing this well. Uh, but yes, it, it is a process. I get it. I didn't do it overnight. But then for the, the larger picture, I guess the career side of, 
of, yeah, there's probably a lot of people listening that wish they could get into this. And I have people, a lot of people at the Sapien Center, that that's what they're doing. They have corporate jobs or they have whatever they job they have and they have all the side projects and they're working on them and they're making really cool things and we're you know trying to collaborate and help each other. And so I guess my personal experience, maybe I can you know, hopefully rub off a little on people how I did it was I always lived like I made minimum wage. That was just something I've done my whole life. I just, I don't know. I just don't care about nice things. I wear the same clothes. I, I spend like zero dollars like on clothes. Like I don't care. I don't, I have an old car. I mean, it's a nice car. It's an old car. It's 20 years old, but I love it. Uh, so yeah, so I, I worked in mechanical engineering. I worked in tech. I made decent money, but I pretended I was making minimum wage and I saved it. And that helped me go off on my own. I taught myself skills. I spent a lot of time sitting there doing free things, doing learning things. I think a lot of people do not do free things. They don't understand apprenticeship. Apprenticeship was a huge part of history. Right? If you you have to learn a trade and you have to work for free and people are like, oh, bro, like you can't work for free. Like interns deserve to be paid and this and this. I'm saying, yeah, I mean, I kind of get where you're coming from. Yeah, get, do your, get paid doing something else and learn a craft for free. Spend the time to learn. I taught myself almost everything over these years. I didn't learn much that I use now in mechanical engineering school other than how to do root cause thinking, systems thinking. You know, I think that did actually help me a lot of like that critical thinking of not just like, oh, how do we do something and put a Band-Aid on something like the whole sick care system does? You think of the root cause. Oh, well, we need to start back at the diet, right? But what I, what I also had to learn is how to design a website, how to like file a trademark, how to start a bit. I did everything just by putting in the hours, grinding away, doing it in my spare time. And I mean, if you if you do that while you're saving money and then you have, you know, some sort of genuine passion and you're trying to do something that's genuine that people care about, then you will succeed, I think. I think people will find you. And that's all I did. I threw out a website saying that I'm making this film six years ago. I, I wasn't a filmmaker. I just made a website on Wix <laughs> that said that I'm making this film. And then I just started emailing all my favorite doctors and scientists. And then everything just came from there. So yeah, you, you just got to do something that people care about. Like, I mean, if I made it, was making a film about something people didn't care about, then it wouldn't have worked. You got to just, yeah, find that. Be, be a community organizer, you know, work for free, give. Like, don't think about like, how you're going to make money or what you're going to get from people. If you just start trying to just give, you'll get back more than you'd ever thought. Yeah. I think, uh, those are all like, it's a great, it's great to hear that, especially with someone who's done this for, for years and for myself, I know Ryan and I both kind of are like getting into this more. So, um, filing LLCs and, and all that fun stuff, right? And, and taking the leap of faith. But even so, you know, I really enjoy fixating on like the mindset of things, right? And like for me, probably for Ryan, for you as well, and I want to hear more about it, is like when you when you take this leap of faith, it, it can be pretty lonely at first. And, and, you know, probably your friends from, you know, before you just fully committed into something like health, you know, they're not sharing the same passions, they're not sharing the same interests. So it can get pretty 
uh, isolated. Um, but then, you know, you really have to basically put yourself out there. So I think, you know, if you're passionate about something, like you're saying, just pursue it. If you put in the time, if you're authentic, people love authenticity. They love just passion. It, and naturally, you're raising to a frequency that people just connect with and they're willing to, you know, uh, listen and, and hear what your business is about and how you're going to make a difference. But you do have to really put yourself out there. So, you know, how did that work for you? Were you were you kind of just like fully committed once, mm. uh, you know, you realized you could make a difference or, or how did that come to fruition over like the beginning one to mm. two years in, in your early stages? Yeah, I, I do credit my parents and my education and my childhood growing up where I actually did just believe maybe stupidly that I could do whatever I wanted. And I, and also just as a, just being a bad entrepreneur, entrepreneur where I just would d dive into things without a business model. You know, sometimes it's, it's good to just be young and dumb and you're just like, I don't know, I'll figure it out as I go. So many people are there like, oh yeah, I got to build this business model. And what is my ROI on this? And like, what are my costs at this and profit? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to do it. And, and I just, it was almost a foregone conclusion to me that this would all work. And it's, I'm still in the middle of the process because it hasn't worked yet. My film isn't out and I don't make any money yet. But in my head, I'm a trillionaire. I am absolutely a trillionaire in my head. I have, I do not think that there's, you know, that it's not going to go this way. And it doesn't matter. I'm just joking about the trillionaire. I don't need to make a trillion dollars. I just, I, I've skipped ahead to the ending where I have my own land and, you know, the film came out and Nose of Tail was successful and people are, you know, eating a different way and the whole world, you know, probably got a little better of uh, just, you know, eating a better diet. They got healthier, or at least there's this huge faction of society that rejected all of that. And, you know, which is growing. I think there is this growing group that just is opting out of the normal society and they're gathering in places like Austin and I, and I see them. So I already see this, right? I'm in the middle of this journey, but I think sometimes you have to be that dreamer and that like, it's a bit uh, naive sometimes where you're just, you just have to jump in and, and maybe not have the business plan and not have it all figured out, but believe that it can work. Yeah, that's that mindset stuff. I've never was into say mindset or like the movie, The Secret or, you know, manifestation. I never got into that stuff, but I just did it naturally. And I guess I can credit my parents. Yeah. I mean, I went to a good school in Hawaii. My mom was a teacher. I went to this really good school for free because she was a teacher. We went around to all these museums. I mean, you know, my dad was pretty entrepreneurial. We were, I was exposed to a lot. And I was just told that I could do things. And so I do think there's something to that too. Like I do feel for the people that grow up in say a, a bad part of the city or a third world country. And they just don't believe that they can do anything more. Right. It's like, that's a, it's a, there's so many people with these limited beliefs and limited outcomes to their lives. And I really do think there's something to that. Cause I kind of did have the opposite of that. And, you know, I was set up for success. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also I think, you know, and today like society has become so much more entitled. Like you're talking about the internship thing, right? Like people just feel like they're entitled to something um, without necessarily putting in the hard work. Um, but they're also kind of the, the empowerment is an interesting thing to think about because the internet has made so many skills and, uh, you know, industries to tap into like pretty easily accessible. And, you know, what it comes down to is, is like you're saying, you, you really just have to go for it. And, you know, you only live once, but, you know, the people who are successful, 
like yourself where you know you're, you're pretty successful right like you haven't even gotten to that end goal but you're you're already there in your head which is fantastic and that's the way to live your life but you haven't even thought about this like it wasn't even like at one point you just made a conscious decision that you were just doing it like you're just gonna go for it and you didn't think about you weren't watching david goggins no. on instagram reels or listening to stoic quotes like i feel like it's a it's almost become so romanticized and mainstream like this mindset thing but at the end of the day like your actions is what really matters so i think it's really empowering to hear that story for people mm. and yeah i mean it's inspiring just just for me trying to get more into like having my own businesses in this well, space that's great and one more little thing on that is I, I don't think it's impossible for anyone in any situation to come out of that too because i understand there are limiting beliefs and in, in your surroundings but you could be i don't know inner city someone with no money and you could you could like edit videos for someone i mean i mean yes i guess you need to get a used computer but you don't need to even have camera equipment. You don't need to have special skills. Everyone is on the internet these days making videos anyway, right? Or they're learning, you know, it's not hard to learn how to edit like a cool reel. And then you could just start a service, be like, hey, I do reels for you. I don't know. Anyone can do it. So I guess it's just hard for people to to take that initiative. When <laughs> yeah. Well. It's actually kind of interesting because um I mean that's how I did it. I I I can't even remember the last time I had like a what would be considered like a real job. Like when I was ten years old, I started making YouTube videos, just stupid stuff with my friends, learning how to edit on uh, whatever the Microsoft like built-in program was. And then in high school, started doing a little bit more. Went to college, um, took digital media classes, got a degree in digital media, and I learned once I graduated that I could have just learned all of this stuff on my own, fiddling around with it, which is basically what I did anyways. Um, yeah. And then it's about learning to apply those skills that you gain to create some sort of monetary value for yourself over time. And I think like like Tristan, you were saying was that the idea of internship or apprenticeship is really underutilized or almost like gawked at now. Um, and it's all that, not to reiterate points, but it's all that sort of entitlement culture that we live in now. And I took, even within the last year, like a massive pay cut from things I was doing to work with someone I know locally to garner more entrepreneurial entrepreneurial business skills to hopefully build my own stuff here now with Tristan. So like, it's totally worth it to, because skills are priceless. And like you said, everyone should believe that they have the ability to do what they want to do, no matter what, from what background they come from. Because I, like you, Brian, came from a pretty privileged background. Like my parents instilled beliefs in me that I could achieve anything I wanted to do. But the person I work with here locally didn't have that growing up, was like a drug addict in his 20s, didn't do anything that he thought was meaningful till his 30s. And that's when he started his business was in his 30s. And so like, there's really no, there's no time that's too late is what I want to tell people too, is that if you feel like you've missed the boat, it that's not true. You just got to find the boat that is right for you. And I think that, that all that's very possible. Absolutely. But uh, not to shift gears too much. But uh -huh. I would love to sort of, I know we've talked about you a lot and we're going to talk about you more, a little more personally. We're going to get into sort of the the day in the life of Brian. Mm. And we sort of want to talk about just sort of what is a day in life for you? Like you mentioned earlier, kind of you, you stay up decently late, 11 p.m. You're on the grind. How do you have, how do you, how have you developed that sort of work-life balance or don't you have that work-life balance or 
what areas mm. do you struggle in and what areas do you think you excel in in sort of your day to day, but sort of just kind of walk through like yeah. a day in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. I've just committed to not having a work life balance for two years. So I'm in my second year of it and we're going to finish this film this year. And then I am committed to work life balance. But how I do it now is I don't have an alarm. I value my sleep. It's pretty much equal with food for me, really. It's like I actually found out that I'm more consistent with my sleep than I am with food, right? Like if I travel, like I'm not going to be perfect with food. I'm not one of these guys that brings, you know, liver in a Tupperware or whatever Saladino does. Uh, I mean, that's great. And I applaud him, but that's just not what I do. But I'm consistent with my sleep. Absolutely. I will always get my eight hours of sleep. And uh, I think that's really big. And I only eat two meals a day. That's what I found works for me. I do not snack. I think part of success with dieting, not dieting, success with eating and losing weight if you want to, is to, to not have to use your willpower. So if you are using your willpower, you're doing something wrong for one thing. And also it's not going to work. It's never going to last. That's why 95% of diets fail. That's why you know it never works. That's why we're 88% unhealthy, metabolically unhealthy in the US. So to, to not have to rely on willpower, I eat the correct foods, you know, animal-based foods and other whole foods. And therefore I'm properly satiated. I'm probably full and I don't have to snack. I'm not interested in snacking. I'm not interested in eating other bad foods because I eat two big meals that are based on animal foods and other whole foods on the side. And then I'm not white knuckling it. I'm not craving anything. I mean, I think this is a huge part of my life is that I absolutely enjoy every single meal. Oh, we, uh, we filmed with my mentor, Mark Sisson or my whatever my I don't know what you call him. I don't know him super well. But yeah, at least, you know, we're semi friends. He is the man he's 68 years old, he's shredded, he's the healthiest guy ever. His great quote that I, I just highlighted recently was, enjoy every single bite of your food. In, he's just all about it. That was like kind of one of his closing messages. You know, I'm like, why is this your closing message? But I get it. It's this is how you're gonna succeed for your entire life. If you find this way of eating that you absolutely enjoy, you are absolutely satiated and you're, you get your nutrient requirements and you are not out there looking for Doritos, you're not out there trying to pull into a fast food place. So many people don't have this. They don't enjoy their food and they are never properly satiated. They don't even know what the feeling of your body is that is actually getting the right protein and nutrients and feeling good and not having weird digestive issues, not having low energy, not having whatever. So I, maybe I can move that to the forefront of like Mark Sisson, enjoy it. Like you got to figure it out. And if you, and if you enjoy it, you're not using your willpower, you will stick to it and you will change your life. So I do that by eating two large meals. I eat my nose to tail meats. I've all the different, you know, beef or bison or pasture raised pork and all that. Just do different combinations of that. I get my pasture raised eggs at the farmer's market. I get my fermented vegetables on the side. You know, I just do a little bit of sauerkraut, some pickles, you know, just like really simple stuff. Maybe it's a little avocado, some cheese. That is it. That Those are my meals. I'm eating a buffet of delicious things and it's not that hard to do, right? It's I just heat up a little meat. 
like that's that's the time it takes for me to heat up meat is the time it takes to cook my meals to prepare my meals because while i'm heating up the meat in whatever way it is necessary i'm just dumping things on a plate right i'm like cutting up a little cheese i'm throwing some pickles on the plate whatever it's so easy and and dinner i guess a little different you know maybe i have some more carb sources different you know sweet potatoes or sometimes i make white rice like a really good you know clean organic type of white rice cooked in bone broth get some extra nutrients in there and and you know like a big hunk of steak or lamb and you know some fruit for dessert like this stuff is amazing never gets old i've eaten almost the same thing for two years straight the two years that i've been in austin i've not eaten much differently than that for these two meals and i don't even go to restaurants people don't think i'm insane I have no idea what restaurants are around me or what restaurant is good or anything. I have no desire. Maybe a couple of years ago, I did like along my journey, you know, right? it doesn't happen overnight along the way. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm good all week. And then I want to go to like whatever Chipotle. It wasn't like I was eating like just total trash. I'm like, oh, I'll go to Chipotle or something. I don't care about Chipotle. <laughs> I don't care about any of these foods anymore. It doesn't take me willpower to not go to these places anymore. It requires zero willpower to not go to like skip these restaurants. I just go home and I'm going to make a better plate of food than anyone's going to serve me. Like usually even going to steakhouses, I'm disappointed, right? You're like, oh man, I could have made a better steak. <laughs> like, come on. And I just paid like $50 for this. So I don't want to go too far away from the question. Daily life. These are like over all these years, all that I've learned, it's keep it super simple eat the delicious, satisfying meals, don't snack, get my sleep. I go outside and read uh, around lunch. That's a big thing I like to do. I don't know if everyone can do that, but try it's also hard when you're busy. I get it. I haven't been doing it as consistently like lately, but last year I did it every single day almost. I went out I brought, I, and I got a book. I had different books. I read Tristan's book out there. I did it all. I, I, get out there, read for 40 minutes, 20 minutes on my stomach, 20 minutes on my back, get my son, right? Find You find a lawn chair during COVID. They shut down my pool back in LA. I had to go lie on a median. Was, there was like this grass strip, you know, out by the street. And I just was lying there reading my book. So getting that sun, that outside time, that, you know, reading, like there's, you know, five benefits to that. And I mean, yeah, there's like the workout. Like I, I have a very simple workout. I actually don't lift that much. Uh, I have pretty good results for not lifting that much. People have told me I just lift for 25 minutes twice a week using my plan of of drop sets to failure using compound movements. I don't want to go into all the details, but it's a very efficient way to work out of doing drop sets to failure, compound movements, and then I'm done. And now that I have the Sapien Center, I do sauna, I, I have cold plunge, you know, like I have a little extra stuff that maybe people don't have access to but that's a nice bonus but it's it's simple it's like a simple oh and i play beach volleyball on the weekends so other than lifting twice a week i just do beach volleyball and i actually don't do much more i don't have time for much more and it's it's great you don't need to do much more i i would love for people to do more than that but if you don't have time it's not required i don't think yeah, I mean, I was just going to say it, a lot of what you said, there was a, our friend Ryan Carter Livete posted this morning, kind of like get connected with your food. He's like, stop worrying about digestive enzymes and all that. And it's like if people just had a conscious moment 
to spend, you know, off their phones, you know, and actually think about, you know, not even think deeply, just literally just have a conscious moment when you're eating your food. I think it's really important. I like to say that in general, just getting connected in in general with your food, where your food comes from, you know, your community, your the nature, like you're saying, you're getting out into the sun, all these things. I mean, we're definitely very similar in that regard. Like I have friends, they're my roommates, friends come in town. They're like, oh, where's where's a good place to eat? It's like, don't even look at me. I have no idea. I've been to like two restaurants here. I've lived here for three years. Um, but but really, it's uh, and, and what I want to get into is is kind of like the monetary perspective of things, right? Like eating out has, you know, if you want to compare, like people are saying food has gotten so expensive. We kind of already covered that um, because we think we value, we know we value the food that we eat and it's high quality. And if you cook enough, you start getting better at it and you can get a higher quality piece of meat from a local farmer rancher and then cook it yourself. It's going to taste better than any steakhouse you go to and you don't even know where they're getting it from and it's going to cost $50. So I'm curious, you know, what your perspective is on, you know, how the monetary, the things going on in our monetary system may influence uh, everything going on in the food system and the health system and in general. I know, uh, I know you're a fan of, of Bitcoin, but you know you're obviously focused on on running your businesses um, right now. So I know, I know we've talked about that in the past, but yeah, yeah. In well, general. I am a big fan of this decentralization. I actually heard about Ethereum and Bitcoin in 2017 and and bought some back then, just a little bit of Ethereum only. I am all into Ooh. this stuff. <laughs> I'm into Bitcoin mainly. I'm not into all the random crypto stuff. I'm into Bitcoin, even Ethereum. I'm like, maybe I should just sell my <laughs> Ethereum for Bitcoin. Uh, it was, I mean, it was good while it lasted, right? I made money over that time in whatever, six years. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't know. Maybe you can ask me something more specific about it, but I, I just... I am a big fan. Yeah, I'm just, I guess in general, you know, I, was, I just mentioned Bitcoin because I know we've talked about it. But it, but in general, how do you think like the, the the monetary system changes, you know, food getting more expensive, everything kind of going crazy with inflation can af affect our food system? Mm. And, you know, you think, how is that going to drive change? Is it going to oh, be negative, yeah. positive? You know, how can people take advantage? I think there's a problem, though. There's a problem with our society is that ease and convenience and novelty and hyper palatable foods are always going to be attractive to us. They're not going away. It's actually a huge problem. When you say you, when we both say we haven't been to restaurants, there's 98% of the people in this world would be like, you guys are insane. You have no fun. You guys are so dumb. How can you do this? I, I know it. I, cause I was that guy too. Like a few years back, I would probably say the same thing. Like, Oh, these guys are so weird, but you, it's so hard to, go away from that and and get out of the matrix and it's gonna be hard because all yes all these systems and it's like the, the food gets more expensive so people just have to buy cheaper foods so they're they're, they're gonna get even more screwed so they're like oh people so many complaints on my instagram whatever from the general masses how can you afford me i can't afford this this is way more expensive blah, blah, blah. and i semi get it where they're coming from well they're just not educated right they just don't know but they're they're gonna just go buy the box of mac and cheese because the box of mac and cheese is a dollar and the meat is maybe like five dollars a pound if you can buy some like cheaper meat cuts and i'm like yeah i get it it is more expensive per pound or per meal but you you got to look at it in a different way I'm sure people like already know this stuff it's like man 
if you're eating this way, you're not buying the snacks. You're not buying like Starbucks for $6. You're not buying all this stuff. It can be cheaper, right? Yeah. If you do it right, like I said, I'm not snacking. I'm, I'm not buying all this wacky stuff. You look at other people's cart. It's insane. I'm like, what are you buying? If I go to a grocery store. I'm buying like a couple whole foods and I'm leaving. You know, it's like, well, I'm, I'm not spending that much more money in the long run. So I don't know. I don't, other than people having living this and, and understanding this, it's going to be really hard to change because the general masses are going to just, as the food gets more expensive, they're going to buy lower quality food. And I don't know what else to do. You know, it's really interesting because you bring up a really good point. I think it kind of goes back to the psychological component of how we're sort of how we've grown up to frame our thoughts around all these things and what's important to us and what values us and what a lot of cultures like now is constant like dopamine hitting and and stuff like that. And that's what these processed foods do is they hit your dopamine really quick. They spike your blood sugar, you feel really good. And then you come crashing down, you got to do it again. And so it's like a vicious cycle, sort of like using social media and being on social media all the time. It's something that I've you know, found issues with myself as I get addicted to the dopamine hit of getting a like or, or whatever this is, but it goes back to the sort of that psychological component. And also like Tristan, you guys were talking about is like really enjoying your food. I don't think re people really even know what they're doing. I think we're mindlessly doing these things every single day. We're mindlessly going to Starbucks and spending $10 every single day or all these little things throughout the day. I actually calculated there was a point where I was spending $300 a month on just Starbucks. And by removing that alone, I saved $300 that I could put somewhere else or just purely save because it's not a necessity, a necessity to improve my life. And I think we live with a lot of these things like door dashing every day or all these services and these things where we don't have to like go out or we don't have to cook things. It doesn't have to take long. I think there's a misperception around a lot of this stuff. And you mentioned it earlier, like, the amount of time it takes for you to cook is how long it takes to heat up meat. It doesn't take that long. I can cook right. eggs in five minutes and have a really satiating meal that'll keep me full till 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And it's just as fast as heating up a Pop-Tart almost. And it's going to keep me fuller far longer. And so I think it's really about reframing the way we l think about living our lives. And that's super difficult. But once you get there, you just realize how much time, money, and all of these things you were wasting pretty much. Well, I think people don't like change. This is the thing with human psychology and human condition is it's, you're always afraid of change. It's uncomfortable. And my, one of my main messages I'm thinking about lately is it's not, it's okay. Change is hard, but once you get there, it's better. Like once you get there, it's better. Once you get to the point where you don't want to eat at a restaurant anymore, you're far more satisfied it's better it's just you got to get do that change like it's uncomfortable yeah you change you get a new job super uncomfortable super anxiety inducing you know first day and all this stuff you know oh my god like i don't know anyone here there's new rules there's new this and then a month later you're like wow this job's way better i got all these friends this is great you know it's like the change that 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 middle part was the hard part but you but once you get to the end it's better and if you can convince people of that then they can make these changes, I think. Yeah, it's just low time preference thinking. I mean, it's like, 
But it's tough because it goes against everything that, you know, all the societal forces right now is like, it's, it's shorter mindset, shorter, you know, dopamine hits and, and, you know, these information cycles are shorter. TikTok is, you know, people don't even look at a video for more than like 10 seconds. I don't even bother writing captions anymore on Instagram. It's like not even worth it, but yeah, it's, it's really tough. And I think that aligns with, with everything we've talked about today is this slow time preference and, you know, you're trading, you know, your your short term pleasure, which is what most people are doing for kind of that medium to long term gain. And really, it's if you just get over that initial hump, there's a lot more for you on the other side is what you're saying. And, and with food, you know, it's like dollar per nutrient. But all these things, it's definitely an educational perspective, because if you actually take, you know, like a pound of grass fed beef, say it's even like $10, a pound, you know, per ounce, it, it costs almost the same as like a bag of chips. And like the nutrients you're getting, I mean, there are barely, there are no nutrients uh, yeah. really in like a bag of fried potato chips. So I think that it just goes back to the educational piece and, and being more connected overall. But yeah, I think everything that we want to come and think about here on this podcast and in life, decentralization, which you're in tune with, is really just elongating your your time horizon and i think you're a great person who embodies that because you know you've been working on these projects for multiple years like you know so many people even from a business perspective nowadays investing and everyone became like a robin hood investor and they want to get rich in like a year they want to do all these things like year and you have to realize that anything that really is going to be high quality and make an impact in the world it's going to take multiple years so like you have to understand that commitment up front and be okay with that and realize that on the other side, things are going to be a lot better. And also, you're going to have far more of an impact if you do it the right way compared to like you're saying these short little keto films, which really didn't hit home. I've never even heard of them. Yeah. Well, I just was thinking maybe my number one superpower, not that it's a superpower, but my number one thing that's helped me is delayed gratification. I've always had this delayed gratification. People probably know about the famous marshmallow experiment. And, you know, the kids were more successful later in life that had that delayed gratification with that little marshmallow test. So I don't know, maybe there's only a certain percentage of the world that can have that delayed gratification, but it seems to be a very consistent thing in successful people. And I think it is my competitive advantage. And I think it's amazing. And I think everyone should learn and strive to be that. I don't know if there's a class in <laughs> how to be a, uh, how to think this way, right? How to have this low time frame. I, I don't know. Maybe there, there needs to be someone that coaches people on how to have this delayed gratification and long-term thinking. Did you have that like your whole life, you think? Or is that something like more recent? Because I, I feel like for me, it's definitely... Like it just compounds as you get, you know, you do one thing where you 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 realize you kind of stop doing like, say, for example, you stop partying on the weekends. All right. And instead, you wake up early and you go hiking or you work on your side business or side hustle or something like that, because, yeah. you know, that's one step in the right direction. And that could translate to food that could translate to exercise. So were you always like that? Or do you think it kind of just compounded over the past five, 10 years? I don't know. I think it compounded. I think there's a bit of how I was raised. I think there's maybe a bit of a genetic component. I have no idea. It's like, why doesn't everyone have that? If everyone had it, then everyone would be, I think, more successful. So maybe it is just this certain thing that you have to really learn and hone in. And I, I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've not had 
any thoughts on how to help people think this way other than like being, I think maybe it's just the engineering mindset of like, you have this mindset too. I think it's, it's like, you have to look at feedback loops, right? I think that's what it is, right? It's like some people, they just go around life. They're just like floating like a leaf in the wind, you know? And then the successful people, they're like looking at feedback loops and they're like, oh, wait, I went out to party and then I felt terrible all day and I didn't get anything done and they don't learn anything from it and they just keep going. And then successful people, they have more of maybe this engineering thinking of looking at feedback loops being like, okay, well, then I did this and then I actually did more and I feel better and I did, you know, got healthier. I don't know. Let's let's, let's make a class right now. Let's figure, like, how do we, I don't know. It is really interesting though, because like, if I think about my own life, I'm one of those people that easily sort of becomes addicted to some sort of like routine or like, uh, it took me forever to quit soda, for instance, or like I have a real, I had a real problem with like my phone. I had to like create timers and stuff like that, where I had to create these blocks for myself, but that's just my personality type. I think how my body is geared. And maybe it's to some extent, I mean, I have an eating disorder history. Maybe it's like, uh, like leftover inflammation from that or neural networks that I built throughout my life. There's just so many factors that create the way that we do things throughout the day and sort of rounding out this, uh, this podcast, which has been phenomenal for me. I'm just like absorbing mm -hmm. both of your guys, mm -hmm. you guys' stuff. I would love to end it on sort of a practical note. What are some practical things that you think people can do right now to start living a more decentralized life for themselves? Like where, where do we start? If someone's just like listening to this podcast, what's something they can just start doing right now to free themselves a little bit? Yeah. Wow. Well, I think one of the biggest things is I think what we talked about before is, is where, where you put your money, where you buy your food. And it's, it could just be a commitment that they are going to go this weekend to the farmer's market. Right. Like I didn't do this before I lived in LA and I didn't even know it was possible. And then I, I realized I'm going to do it. And then I opened up Google maps of all places and just typed in farmer's market. And there was like five farmer's markets around me. It was crazy. I was like, oh my God, there's one in, in Santa Monica. There's one in Mar Vista. Like I could bike to like four different farmer's markets. And so if you just do that, that is, that is a big step. That is like a big step of where you're putting your money. Change it's just even the mindset of, you know, yeah, you're you're talking to your producer. Then well, then you're gonna, you know, buy less things from the grocery store, maybe buy less Uber Eats. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's just a great place to start. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think one of the biggest things was really looking at where my money, what was coming in, where it was going to, and then reassessing where I really put my values and are these things really just me seeking some sort of comfort from something that's lacking in my life or me trying to deal with stress um, and then reprioritizing those things. And I'm sure Tristan, you've done probably many of those similar things. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think it's like, I like Brian's message a lot because it, it's, you know, take an actionable first step, right? Like I think a lot of these health influencers, like, and we're friends with a lot of them, it can be intimidating, you know, their whole lifestyle. And I know for sure, for me, it's like people see what I do now and they could never imagine their daily routine being like that. But I was like, yeah, well, this has been, you know, four years in the making, right? Like I didn't just all of a sudden do everything that I do in one day. So yeah, take an actionable first step and then you'll see, you know, 
how empowering that is. You're feeling better. You're spending your money on things. You know, you're learning new skills. You're connecting with people. And it's kind of like contagious from there. So, but everyone, you know, it happens at their own speed. I think uh, that's what's really on you to figure out. Um, but I, I resonate heavily with that message. So, yeah, Brian, where can people find you? Where can people find the latest and greatest oh. on your films and all the things that you got going on? Yeah, mainly Food Lies. Just search Food Lies wherever you are, and I should be there. I haven't joined TikTok yet, but I do Instagram a lot. And and you can go to YouTube and search Food Lies. You can go to nosetail.org and find our meat there. We deliver to 48 states and we have other body care products and you know stuff like that. That's about it. I mean, we're still crowdfunding. You can you can through, you know, whatever Food Lies platform you find, you can find the Indiegogo. So, we're we're still just using that money to pay our composer, our graphics guy. We have this amazing digital artist doing like tons of graphics. So, we don't make any of the money. <laughs> we just give it to the people who need to do those jobs to finish this film in a super high production value way. Like, yeah, we're going big. I'll, I'll tell you that. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Just just share share it with your friends. Go to, listen to Beak Human. I don't know. That's all. Is there a target release date for the film at this point or is this still no. TBD? Well, this year, I mean, it's, it, we're just finishing this year. We're just like, there's no way we're not going to just finish it this year. We just have to do it. Maybe I have to stay up till midnight. <laughs> instead of 11 but we're gonna finish it we're pitching it around to these big platforms this summer so we're in a sprint now with getting our last interviews and doing uh, all that to get it get all this new content into the film getting a couple cuts together and showing it around so can't tell you when also i don't know you know once they maybe hopefully someone buys it uh then i don't know maybe they take three more months to do whatever they do and translate into all the languages i don't know how it works Got it. Well, yeah, everyone, I feel like you should definitely go watch a teaser. The introduction really gets me fired up. Um, follow Brian on Instagram. He has the best memes in the health space. Um, Nose to tail has great, you know, beef tallow skincare products that I use. I can affirm this as well. And yeah, thanks so much, Brian. I think this was a really great conversation. And uh, it's a little inside look into what it takes to really be on the ground working, creating impactful businesses in the health and food community. So thanks so much for coming on. All right. Thanks, guys. Good times. <laughs>